welcome back to another episode of Force Proximity. We are back this week with a movie episode, and last week we had no episode. <laughs> and it's not because we didn't do one. <laughs> That's so frustrating when that happens. We had an hour and a half interview with Sarah Branion, our resident sexpert. Who uh-huh. she didn't want us calling her a sex educator because that's like a whole doctorate level thing that she doesn't have and she doesn't want to. She wants to be true, but she, I mean, but wherever she goes, she is advocating for pleasure based sex. sex. Yeah. So, and she's studying it, so she's not. Yeah. Whatever. She's our sex expert. She's our sex expert. Yeah. Um. So we had the whole interview done. Ninety minute interview. On Skype, because Sarah lives in Florida. And when I went to do the whole Skype thing to download the video and put it on our our interface, it yeah. wasn't there. And it just wasn't there. Thank you, Skype. I, and I don't think it was Skype's fault. Probably not. I think it was our internet's fault. Because your internet upstairs cuts out all the time. Which, and it didn't used to. So, this is... um. Yeah, we got a new IP address, yeah, I guess. We're going to have it fixed. And then, like, I don't get internet in my office, which is annoying. Very annoying. Because when I'm trying to upload something, I'm like, oh, it's not there. My book files are not there. And then I think, oh, wait, just turn the Wi Fi on and off real quick. And then you'll get a really quick flash of, of internet usage. And I'll download real quick. Download real quick and then. uh, That does uh, seem annoying. Yeah. Well, anyway, this week we have the movie Only You starring a very young Marissa Tomei (laughs) and very young Robert Downey Jr. And a very young Bonnie Bonnie Hunt Hunt, who still looked like a mom. Yeah. But that but she was great in it. So no offense that she looked like a mom, and no offense to moms. Bonnie Hunt always looked like a mom. She did. She just looked like someone's really nice mom. Which she's pretty snarky and cool in this. She is. She doesn't act like. Doesn't mean she can't be a nice mom. <sighs> no, but she's like more than a nice mom. True. She's a I'll snarky cool mom. She's a snarky cool mom. And she is a snarky cool mom in this movie. Yeah. So I will read a quick blurb about Only You. Okay. We're also filming, filming, we're not filming shit, recording <laughs> <laughs> late at night because we have a really busy day tomorrow. On We normally record on Sunday afternoons now. That's not going to happen. So we're recording at 11 on Saturday night just so we can have it done. For you people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, we've become one of those families that like has, has shit to do, to do all the time. And it's really annoying. Because Did it seem to just happen out of nowhere? Yeah, it's first grade. Yeah. Like kindergarten, it was like, this is fine. I don't know what all these people are complaining about. But then you sign your kid up for every single sport there is. Which you don't have to do. <laughs> well... Okay, yes, but I thought he was going to like the sports. He does not. He hates them. Well, he hates soccer. I'm pretty sure he's going to hate flag football. He probably is, but he loves swimming. Yeah. And I think he's going to love Taekwondo when he can do that. Possibly. So, and I think he's ready for it. Anyway. So, yeah, but we have... We have stuff to do, so we're recording late at night, so we can do our show. We can't have two weeks in a row with no show, so... All right, storyline. This is from Tony Fontana. Hold on, does everybody remember this movie, first of all? Jonathan had never never seen it. You've never even heard of it? No. This was a movie... It came out in 94? 94. I was nine. I was eight or nine. I know. I think this was one of the ones that I happened to catch because my mom liked it. Yeah. Um, because she was like Marissa Tomei age when this movie came out. Yeah. Um, 
I was I was twelve, so I was like in the rom com age when when girls start watching romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. But I watched it until I went away to college. Probably this was like a movie that was on repeat in our house because it's a it's just a lovely movie to watch. It was funny. It it's funny because Robert Downey Jr. and bon, uh, Bonnie Hunt and um. And it's just, it's nice setting. It's like, who? <laughs> we'll talk about the, okay, we'll talk about when it comes to my favorite part. We'll have to, like, we'll talk about it. Okay. So I'll save it for then. All right. But so- this was, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did want to give a precursor. <laughs> anyway, this was like a, one of those, like, I grew up with this movie to an extent, not like like I did Little Women, the 94 version of Little Women. Uh-huh. 94 was a good year for movies. Little Women, Only You, Pulp 90, Fiction. 94 was a good year. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> for me. Why? Did somebody win the... The Rangers won mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup. Yeah, okay. And they haven't won it since then. <laughs> if someone would have told me when I was eight, hey, kid... They're going to win now, but they don't win it very much. <laughs> uh, I probably still would like them. Anyway, yeah. do you want me to read this now? Um. Well, anyway, I think I I just wanted to say that I I think this movie is a, a kind of a sleep. People are a sleeping sleeper. on it. No, it's not a sleeper because that's like a hit that's not. That implies that it's a hit. I think people are sleeping on this. I think if you if you like going back and watching the '90s rom coms, watch this. It's it's a it's a really nice movie, um, and it's because of the setting. So, Jonathan, all right, you can take it away now. This is you know how IMDb they people chime in with their own synopsis, and I think the best one gets put to the top. I don't know, but this one's by Tony Fontana. Hmm. Destiny. So Scarface fan writing the synopsis. For... That's Tony Montana. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't there a Tony Fontana in something? Probably another rom com. I don't know. That sounds really familiar. Tony Fontana. Well, you think about that. I'll read. Okay. Destiny Faith. Marissa Tomei believes that two soulmates can be united if they find each other. From the Ouija board, she found the name of her missing half, and it is D-A-M-O-N-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. <laughs> Damon Bradley for those keeping score. Later at the carnival, the fortune teller sees the name of Damon Bradley in the crystal ball, and Faith is convinced. She is told that you make your own destiny. Don't wait for it to come to you. But she is looking for Damon. Fourteen years later, she's engaged to a dull podiatrist and plans to marry until she gets a call from one of his classmates who is on his way to Venice, Italy. The classmate's name is... Damon Bradley. Rushing to the airport to see her soulmate, she misses him and the plane, but decides then and there to go after him. So Faith and her sister-in-law, Kate, board the next plane to Italy, hoping to find her Damon. Is that that's is that the, the end of the synopsis? Synopsis over. Okay, that's that gets us to the twenty percent mark of the film. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we can take it from there. So she goes to Italy. Her friend goes with her. Her friend Bonnie Hunt. Her sister in law Bonnie Hunt. Her sister in law Bonnie Hunt. Um, they chase this guy around. They instead find Robert Downey Jr. Who says he's Damon Bradley. Says he's Damon Bradley, which buys him time for him to fall head over heels in love with her. And also for her to fall in love with him, too. Although she thinks it's just because he has this. The right name. The the Yes. The name of destiny. Damon Bradley. Uh, 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 the right name. 
Um, and it's a, it's a sweet, meet, cute, like she's running through the streets of Venice and she loses a shoe in the cobblestones. He pries it out from between the stones and chases after her. Uh, and then they have, they have a night and they walk around all of Venice in her stiletto Wasn't it Rome? Oh, yes, because they don't find Damon Bradley. That's right. That was a whole thing. They go to Venice. They fly to Venice. Um, They don't find Damon Bradley in Venice. So they track him down. They know he's headed to Rome. So they go to Rome because they know that he knows somebody who works in a store there. So, uh, yeah. So there, uh, so she has this, she has this magical night with Robert Downey Jr. where they talk about all the things they love and they're all the same things and they get along with each other and they quote German poets together mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, it's magic and you know, they're, they're destined to be together. And she goes back to his hotel room and they're kissing and they're like really hot kissers. Yeah. These two have a lot of chemistry. Did you catch Robert Downey Jr.'s name? Peter Wright? Mr. Wright? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's Mr. Wright. Oh, yeah. That's the right. true. <laughs> Peter Wright is a great name. And it's a lot better of a name than Damon Bradley. Sorry if your name is Damon, but I associate you with the devil. That's Damien. I know, but any any variation. I think of Johnny Damon. <laughs> I envision someone who looks like Johnny Damon. For Damon Bradley? Yeah. Which Billy Zane kind of did. A little bit. Because of the long hair and the athletic build. Yeah. So anyway, they're making out and it's really hot. And she, and she confesses, by the way, I'm engaged. And he's heartbroken for yeah. a minute. <laughs> until, for a minute. Until he realizes that's not a big deal. You're here with me in my hotel room. So you must not be that engaged. <laughs> um, <laughs> Engage is a spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he confesses something too. And it's that his name's not Damon Bradley. And he thinks, well, it's fine. Like she's she likes me by now. I told her everything else but my name was the truth. Like I didn't lie about my job. I didn't lie about that I like trees. I didn't lie about knowing German poets that I didn't get the name right. Uh so she likes me now. I can come clean. And uh you know, you have to come clean before you sleep with the girl that you bring to your hotel room, so it's good timing. Yeah. Um and she freaks out and thinks, well, I already have a fiancé whose name is not Damon Bradley. I might as well just marry him, essentially. Even and though he's a doctor. Even though he's not half as good as no. Peter Wright. And so she freaks out, leaves. He chases her all over Rome. And uh, then she... She knows she's being ridiculous. She buys a plane ticket home. He stops her and he says, look, I found the real Damon Bradley. (laughs) I found him. So aren't you curious to know? Like he's in Positano. So they all go to Positano, which is this adorable little village with like bougainvillea everywhere and uh, and lots of steps. (laughs) And. Uh, so he it turns out he has hired an actor, Billy Zane, to play some guy named Damon Bradley, who ends up being like a I think it was bag. just his friend. I, I know. I, don't I think, think it, it was. I think it was an actor. Was it? I don't think they knew each other. Oh, before then. Well, he, he played very much Jim Morrison. <laughs> But or, not smart. He died. He just played a jock. Yeah, sure. To me, he just looked kind of Jim Morrison esque because of the hair. He was wearing a wig, a long haired wig. 
black curly hair. He just reminded me if, if I could imagine what Jim Morrison was like, it was like that. Yes. Except for, yeah, the, this Damon Bradley was not smart at all. And Marissa Tomei is like, oh, okay, you're not smart, but your name is Damon Bradley and you're my destiny. And, and we'll work around it. Yeah. Then he got gropey. Yeah. Then he got gropey. And she, and then luckily Peter Wright, Robert Downey Jr., rushes in to save the day. And he kind of goes too far and he lets it be known that he hired him. He hired the guy to play Damon Bradley. And then Marissa Tomei is like just totally done with all men because that's what happens, you know, in the dark night of a 90s rom-com. Like, yeah. You know, this guy messed up because he loves me so much that I am through with men. All of them. Even the one back home that I was going to marry that has no idea that I'm here lying to him. <laughs> About to cheat on him. Right. I did nothing wrong. <laughs> it's the men. <laughs> I am here looking for a better option than you. And it's your fault, man. <laughs> uh, And then, I don't know. Okay, so then there's like a really cute how they get back together. They find the real Damon Bradley. They find the real Damon Bradley. Who's not really, she's not into him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then she realizes she really does love Robert Downey Jr. Because they, they had a magical night together. And, and then after the magical night, he he remained like steadfast to her and like he did some wrong things, but it was like all in the name of the pursuit of her. Yeah. And you kind of have to take with a grain of salt, the fact that he's not creepy in this movie. Yeah. I think if it was anybody else other than Robert Downey, he would be so creepy. I'm going to get to that too. Yeah. But because he had such a great sense of humor, we're going to just choose to overlook the, this is not like behavior that would be red flag for like control issues down the line. Exactly. It's just going to be adorable in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's more middle schoolish than it is adulthood, and it's okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that's that's only you. And the big the big thing is that it's it takes place in italy yes and it's really it's lovely italy it's like you know it's it's your woman's dream your single girl woman's dream of going to italy and just like wearing all of your nice clothes not this is not backpacking through europe italy no this is this is not traveling with family this is glamorous this is glamorous like i am going to italy to find love so i'm only doing pleasant things and i'm going to look amazing while i'm doing it mm-hmm. so it's just like beautiful women in front of beautiful fountains like running down beautiful cobblestone, cobblestone streets looking over the beautiful mediterranean sea dancing on rain soaked streets in the moonlight yeah. This is that kind of movie. But it it's also not that cheesy. Like I'm really describing it like cheesily on purpose because that the the magical night with the two people, Peter Wright and uh Faith. Mm-hmm. Is that her name? I yeah, Faith. Faith. Uh it's supposed to be cheesy. It's supposed to be that perfect fairy tale you stay up all night talking because you found the one. Supposed to be that kind of night because yeah. it sets you up for everything going wrong later. The comedy of errors, right? Um. Okay, so so I think that's it. Let's let's continue with our okay. Commence so with our questions. What worked and what didn't work for you in this movie? So what worked for me was Robert Downey Jr. Okay, like you said, had anyone else done it besides iron man it would have been creepy like even iron man had that tenacity like uh what's his name not iron man but robert downey no tony stark has that same tenacity of going after what he wants doesn't stop till he gets it 
So it's seeing Robert Downey Jr. in this role is no different than seeing Tony Stark. I'm trying to think of all the movies I've seen Robert Downey Jr. And I'm wondering if that's like a thing he puts into his roles. Because I and I haven't seen many. I haven't seen Iron Man. He may be just a tenacious person in, in real life. I've seen this and I've seen Chaplin. And there were shades of him acting like Charlie Chaplin in this. And I and that made me also like wonder. Oftentimes you'll see like Remy Malik after he played Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. Is, he stayed Freddie Mercury for a long time. He's probably still has the facial expressions. Cause I know like it was there was a thing about the teeth and he got so used to like having big teeth and like he has to position his like lips to go over his big teeth mm-hmm. that he got used to making that that um exp- not expression whatever he got a u- he got used to making those facial expressions and now he just does it got stuck that way yeah i'm wondering if 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 Chaplin was that for Robert Downey Jr. Because he made Chaplin two years before this. Mm-hmm. And there was that scene, and I didn't notice it until he was sitting in the airplane with his feet up and his legs crossed. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that is Charlie Chaplin. And he is so good as Charlie Chaplin. And uh, I don't know. And then I look, thinking back, I could see like Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. So maybe Charlie Chaplin is the tenacious one. Maybe. Maybe. Because we know he's, we know Charlie Chaplin was tenacious. He's like a British guy who comes over here and like makes comedy. Yeah. Like makes the whole genre of comedy. So so did Robert Downey Jr. also, is that what worked for you? What worked for me? He worked for me and the setting worked for me. The setting was great. the pretty clothes. This is like... The 90s are alive again. Well, but the clothes are great on the women. Well, yeah. The men's clothing like... were awful. <laughs> yes. The huge suits yeah. are not. Will you watch Frasier? You, you're used to the huge suits. I hate it. I know. <laughs> I hate the huge suits. It just feels like I can just feel the extra material bunching up between I, my legs i think it's also there it's huger because it's italy and it's hot and it's yeah so it's really expanded well and I, farther i think shorts would be more acceptable now yeah like the short length shorts and i, I think well he was at work so there was a reason he was wearing that's true he was on he was on business he was yeah, he was there for business and he was going to meetings and mm, fashion shows. I'd rather have a a snugger fitting suit and look better and be a little hotter. And I hate being hot. Yeah. Than wear all of that material. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause that that looks hotter to me. Okay. What didn't work for me? Oh, that didn't work. That's not what didn't work for me. Oh, okay. But you can go ahead. No, we can go. You can go ahead. Uh, Marissa Tomei, not her, but Faith, mm, kind of a shitty character. Okay. I agree. She. Went, I hate Faith. Okay, so a shitty character. I, I, yeah, I think she's a shitty person, and I really think she's, uh, I don't like it when people believe in destiny and fate. You know what? That's not what bothered me. (laughs) Okay. Like I ranted earlier. Yeah. She was about to get married. Yeah. And on a whim, left... Pittsburgh to go to Italy, dragged her sister-in-law with her, made her pay for a lot of stuff. No, she didn't make her. Mm. No, her sister-in-law was like, no, I'm treating us because I need to do this in my life. Okay, fine. 
And her sister-in-law volunteered to go with her because she needed an escape. Because she just left her brother and her husband. Bonnie Hunt's husband, Marissa Tomei's brother, who's also kind of a shitty person, but kind of redeemed himself at the end. He did, yeah. But she, the way she talked to the hotel guy pissed me off. This is the thing. <sighs> he, let me, can I continue? Yeah, okay. She went in there asking to find, like, asking for Damon Bradley's room. Uh, no. <laughs> you can't have that. And then he obliged. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Damon or Mr. Bradley checked out. What do you mean he checked? Like, treated him like garbage because she didn't get what she wanted. Yeah. And then the line, he'd kill tigers for you. What the? F- what does that even mean? What are you talking about? Yeah. I I give props to Marissa Tomei for saying that believably and so adorably that we almost can, like, forget the meaning of what she just said. But it's one of those things, like, when women try to be so cute and then it's like did you actually stop and think about what the words that you're actually saying (laughs) and how stupid they are like the way she she said like i know he'd kill tigers for you is how she says this and it's just like this one-off line and it's like I was like, I think I've always cringed when I heard that. Yeah, there's no because context it's like, to it. Am I supposed, is that a quote from something? It sounds like it's a quote from something. It sounds like it's a, the whole time she's talking about old movies, you can't throw in a quote from Sabrina or you can't throw in a quote for from, I'll look it up. I don't know, the Philadelphia story. You throw something, throw throw something out there that actually is from something but don't throw something together that's as stupid as that what did a tiger ever do to her (laughs) why does anyone why do tigers need to be killed i don't don't know. know the way she said that it was just so dumb and it wasn't poorly acted it was just it's a really it's a bad line um and it yeah there's a hmm there's so much uh, I'm trying to be this adorable character going on. And I really just wanted to see Marissa Tomei as a truly feisty go-getter woman a la My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. And I understand she's not going to play <laughs> My Cousin Vinny, whatever her name is. What's her name? Uh... She can't play that character in every movie. She's got to be... Mona Lisa. Oh, yes. Mona she... Lisa something Italian. Yeah. She can't play Mona Lisa in every movie. She's got to be the modern 90s woman that's just kind of generically not Italian. Mona Lisa Vito. Yeah. But but that woman had chutzpah. And this was like... It was so relying on her beautiful face and live figure. Yeah. That we're supposed to ignore all of her other sins. Like, we're supposed to ignore the fact that she's kind of a lousy friend. Her mm-hmm. friend is like, when they can, when they get lost and her friend confesses, like, I think your brother's cheating on me. She's just like, oh, whatever. We're here chasing my problems. You don't actually have any problems. Like, I know my brother loves you. Like, so whatever you're feeling doesn't matter because this is my journey. <sighs> yeah. And. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Yeah, and. Pl- okay. So the thing that didn't work for me, though, is not that it's not. But it's not far off. It's the fact that. <laughs> Every line Marissa Tomei says, it sounds like she's having an orgasm. (laughs) She is so like, (gasps) 
like everything is accompanied by this like high pitched, breathy exhalation of air. I mean, a breathy exhalation of air. Great job. (laughs) (laughs) But like she's like, I don't know. It just sounds like everything. She's so overly. She is so excited by everything. It's it's. It's orgasmic. Yeah. Well, like they say in in the cutting edge. Yeah. Do you think they made her do that? I think that's that one directing? of her. Yes. Like Marissa Tomei, uh, play this cuter. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is, and it and it is, it's cute. But then it's like I was kind of uncomfortable watching mm-hmm. because of that. It's like, wow, this is. I don't you don't need to get that excited. No. And and it works because she's such a tiny person. But really cast anybody else and make her act like that and it would be really awkward. So the two of them Yeah. They're very lucky that the two of them played those roles. Yes. This movie would not have worked without no. both of them. And I I like that I like the pairing also because you don't really see Marissa Tomei as like the leading lady of a romantic comedy in anything but this. And I'm not sure about Robert Downey Jr. Oh, he was in Chances Are, and I think that's a rom- romantic comedy. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, but Marissa Tomei is is a really she's a fresh face, and she is supposed to be a s- smart character. And she is smart. She has the knowledge of a smart person. Yes. She just... Yes, that's, she's a teacher. Uh, I, but yeah, even when she's teaching her class, she's like so excited. She's having an orgasm in front of her students. Like, jeez. It's still not as bad as Tone Barbara Streisand. No, I was thinking of that. of thinking of Barbara Streisand's I was students. like, well... If Marissa Tomei was in that, I <laughs> and totally she showed up in that, that braless, pantyless white dress. Yeah, she wears when she's running down the stairs. I thought that dress was pretty brave of a costume choice. Yeah, I didn't notice it was braless and pantyless. How do you not notice? She's basically naked in the whole last scene. I she's not- wearing this like gossamer. Like thin rayon outfit that it's like cut so low she cannot possibly be wearing underwear, <laughs> and it's like she's like like nipples out. I she doesn't have a great chest, but but she's still a good person. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite part? <laughs> um. Okay. I don't mind. I really like the end. I I really like the whole the airport scene. I was gonna say that. I liked the juxtaposition of the beginning when she tried to get on a plane in the United yeah. States. Yeah. It, like my love like, of my life, my Desi's on there. Like, well, too fucking bad. I know. <laughs> and then she says the same thing. The love of my life is on that plane when she says it in Italy, and they're like, Stop the presses. <laughs> We got to get you on that plane. Stop the plane. (laughs) Open the doors. That's a $25,000 fine. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) We'll all pitch in. Yeah. And then, and it's, yeah. And she realizes it's Robert Downey Jr. And I like that at the end, he's given up hope with her. He's just, um, he goes like, so the announcer, they say Damon Bradley to the information desk. And and both she and he are at the airport. Robert Downey and Marissa Tomei not are at the airport. Not yet. Yeah, both going home to their respective cities Boston in the U.S. Boston and Pittsburgh. Uh, they're standing in their own lines. They both hear Damon Bradley over the announcer, and they both run to the information desk. Him because he's just so curious. He has to see what yeah. this Damon Bradley is going to look like, and he knows he's going to see her there one last time. And she shows up because she's got to see. Damon Bradley, even though she's given up hope about her destiny. And and then he just 
he's like, okay, well, you have a good life. Have a uh-huh. good like. Here are you guys. Here's your destiny. Good luck. <laughs> I'm leaving. But he's in. He's done with her at that point. There, there comes to you have to be done with a person if you're gonna do. If you're gonna do the Dark Knight right in a in a romantic comedy or any romance where like the couple actually break up, mm-hmm. you've got to make one person like start to move on or not start to move on like actually taking steps toward moving on. They need to. They they have to give up hope. Yeah. The hope has to be lost. Dead. Mm-hmm. And that's where he was. So, and I liked that. It was it was a really heartwarming ending, I thought. Yeah, I liked... That was my favorite part, was the juxtapositions of the two airport scenes. Yeah. Because that made it sweet without being, like, saccharine, I thought. Yes. Yes. Uh, how did the characters change throughout the story? I don't think Faith changed at all. Oh, yes, she did. No. She gave up the idea of destiny. Did she? Yeah. I thought she realized that destiny led her to Robert Downey Jr. She never once said that. No? No. Okay, fine. So she gave up the idea of destiny. Yeah. That's how she changed. How did he change? He met the love of his life, and then he was the worse for it because she screwed him over because of her own stupidity. (laughs) But then she came back to him. He didn't have to change. No. He was the perfect guy. He's the the Waylon Wells of this. The Waylon Wells? Who's that? (laughs) He's the hero of Morgue to Love, my book that just came out on Tuesday. Oh, Wes. (laughs) his name is not wes no one ever calls him wes (laughs) megan's book came out on tuesday and the reviews have been really great really great reviews for her book uh but some of the reviewers have it in their head that the hero's name is wes when it's waylon and he's go and he's called Wells by the the heroine. And I don't know where Wes comes from. I I just I yeah. think they just read Wells as Wes. I guess so. They must be reading it as Wes, which means they're reading fast. Well, romance readers always read fast. I'm the only <laughs> slowpoke romance reader. Well, they're reading fast and they're getting the character's name wrong, so slow down a little bit. And then some people review it. And you know they read it too fast because they're missing point. They're missing the point. Anyway, we'll Well, talk about that next week. (laughs) I'm not reading reviews. I am. Well, I am refusing to read reviews because I write weird books and I don't expect anybody but me to like them. And I don't want to be like, I don't know. I don't want to be swayed by reviews. That's fine. Um, All right. So. Oh, other favorite part. When her brother confessed to his wife about Damon Bradley. He's like, I just made that shit up. Yeah. (laughs) He was a jerk of a kid in my little league. She thinks it's her destiny. I moved the Ouija board to say it. I just thought of a name. So what about the fortune teller? I paid her two bucks <laughs> to say Damon Bradley. That is such a brother thing. I love that. It messed her whole life up. I know. But he didn't know it was going to mess <laughs> her whole life up. In the meantime, she's like teaching her middle school students about Il Destino and like, I don't know what the hell class she was teaching. Not, like, not a real one. <laughs> I'm like, where do you have a class on soulmates and Socrates in middle school? Like, it's supposed to be a literature class, and she's got, like, Socrates and, like, Plato written on the board. Well, they made sure you saw those kids were in uniforms, and they were all white kids, so you know. It's a... 
private school? It's a high-end private school. <laughs> so let's let's put that in there so this scene makes sense. Yeah, and I guess, like, you know, I, I think I have a problem with... It's really hard. We should do, like, a whole teacher series, teachers and films, because it's it's really hard to show... How good of a teacher is when you've got, you know, a little snippet and you've got to, you know, we all know that truly good teaching, it's not going to be necessarily like a great lecture given Mm -hmm. in a, a 30 minute span. Never. That's not what good teaching is. Good teaching is like a great laid out course or you know being there for your students when they're having a bad day or whatever it's, whatever good teaching it's is the, it's like behind the scenes it's stuff. the day-to-day rapport you have with your kids yeah and like you say excellence is in the mundane that's probably true for teaching yes. as well as powerlifting. the <laughs> one of the best teacher roles i've seen is jason siegel in bad teacher when he was the middle school pe teacher and that mm-hmm. is like, this is exactly right. Yeah. This is exactly how this goes every day. Like, even down to the argument he was having with a student about the student was saying Mike, LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> and every PE teacher who was a 90s kid has had this, has had this argument uh-huh. with kids that never saw Michael Jordan. And you say, uh, six rings. Is that all you got? That's all I need. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> argument I need. No, it's not. And they just, they're so stupid. Anyway. Well, it's just, you know, we know it's hard to show what, what a good engaged classroom looks like. Any profession, it's hard to show because you have a soundbite. It's a soundbite in a movie. Unless the whole movie's about that. Unless the whole movie is about the profession and it's written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, what was that? Well, I mean, like... Uh, oh, you're just like... Like, he wrote Moneyball. Like, that was... Yeah, a, but that wasn't accurate. But that's a good... But it's displayed well. How is it not accurate? That was not... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Billy Bean did the whole the whole sabermetrics thing with Jonah Hill's character. He also had a pitching rotation that was out of this world and that changes everything. Okay. And they made the Art Howe, the guy Philip Seymour Hoffman played. I don't remember anything about that Philip Seymour Hoffman. He played the manager. Okay. They made it seem like he had nothing to do with it. He was phenomenal manager. Oh. <laughs> well, he Aaron Sorkin also villain. wrote the the one about the housing bubble, the movie about the housing bubble. The big short, that was good. He also he wrote The Newsroom or Newsroom, the series that from was HBO. Okay. That no, was... that was that was a brilliant brilliantly written. Everything he wrote a few good men which they eat Chinese food and as far as I'm concerned it's an accurate lawyer movie if you're eating Chinese food out of a carton. Like, <laughs> That's all they do. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. When I think of lawyers, I always think they're they're working late at night on a rainy night. It's always raining. And they're eating Chinese food lo mein out of the carton with chopsticks. It is always lo mein. You can't eat rice with chopsticks. <laughs> That's all lawyers do. That's all they do. And then they go And they and they highlight papers. And they highlight papers. And then they're in the courtroom. <laughs> in an old courtroom. It's always an old courtroom. A beautiful courtroom. And just I object. Always I'm not gonna slam the table because I don't want to get on the <laughs> on the mics, but they slam the table. <laughs> well, he wrote the West Wing as well. Aaron I Sorkin. didn't watch that. Anyway, he is very good at writing professions. So unless it's written by Aaron Sorkin, which please write a rom-com, Aaron Sorkin, because it'll be the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, please write a rom-com, Michael Bay. 
direct one. <laughs> no. <laughs> please, please direct, write and direct a rom-com Rob Zombie. <laughs> you know you know i would actually like that one i mean morgue to love i will option you i will sell my rights to morgue to love <laughs> so yeah well all right does this movie stand the test of time wait w- do we go through the whole thing yeah we did oh okay uh yeah it does no <laughs> It will not. It has not. No one knows this movie. No one knew it when it came out. This was not very popular. Well, then it didn't even stand the test of its own time. (laughs) I like it. It doesn't mean it stands the test of time. No. Okay. So maybe not as in the Philadelphia story. But, okay. So... (laughs) The problem I have with choosing these movies is that I'm trying to pick off-the-wall choices that you will stay up for. Yeah. That's the problem. Because we need to watch the classics, which are all taped. I won't make it. And you won't make it. So we need to be watching The Philadelphia Story, and it happened one night, and, you know, all the screwballs... We need to be doing those during the summer when my my night shift and I go to bed at like 2 o'clock. Yeah. And if we started at 10, it'll be fine. Uh-huh. But you can't wait for that for the school year when, my, when I shift to waking up at 5. Okay. So summertime this summer or summer 2022 and lockdown number three. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we we will do classic movies. Well, we're going to intersperse some classic movies. We could do every, it every couple of months. We'll do one. We can do it during winter break too cuz I kind of shift my sleep schedule there too. Yeah. All right. So, no, I don't think it stands the test of time. Never heard of never heard of it in the first place. I don't need to watch this movie ever again in my life. I would watch it if it's on. You know, I think that's like, that's why I don't, that's why I like cable. And I know I'm the only millennial who likes cable, but I do. I don't want to necessarily only watch the thing that That you want to watch. One thing that I, (laughs) I want to see what's on and be like, oh, I remember this. Let's see if it's still good. I think things are going to get lost that way. Yeah, you're probably right. Because so many movies that I love are a result. Northern exposure is a result of like me going to Florida for summers and having nothing to do at my grandparents' house. And then I would put on A and E at 10 o'clock in the morning and Northern exposure was on and I watched one episode and the next day I was like, well, that was good yesterday. I'll watch it again. And by and the then, end of the summer, you watched the whole series? Yes. By the end of the summer, it was like, set my alarm for Northern Exposure at 10 <laughs> o'clock A&E. <laughs> Wait, you were up by 10 o'clock? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. All right. Those were sad days. <laughs> um, I think this week is going to be a quick one because it is late. Do you have anything else to add? No. <laughs> Next. No, this is an interesting movie. You should take a look at it. It's fun to watch. And if you like Roman Holiday, there's a Roman Holiday thing. Yeah. That's what we it's should named, do. It's named wrongly. I will say that. It should not have been called Only it, You. Or and at least put that song in there, like you said. Yes. If they put the song in there, it could be called that. Yeah. That's song, the song Only You is not in the movie. Spoiler alert. I know you guys are all going to rush out. And Where did we, we get it on? Prime? For three bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
Next week, we are featuring Megan's book. Mm-hmm. Special guest, Megan Montgomery, going to be in the studio. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't know, we're going to be talking about my weird forensic pathologist romantic well, I think, comedy. I think it's going to be a good conversation because this book was kind of a slugfest for you to write. Yeah. So you'll get to vent about the book. Okay. To our 12 fans. Well, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to structure that episode yet because I don't want it to be an interview. I don't want you, my husband, to interview me. Why not? I think we should just. Or you can just talk about the book. Yeah. Just like a normal book episode. Yeah. But there is going to be you talking about the process of writing the book. How can there not be? No, no, no. Uh, No, I know. (laughs) I mean, I can't answer like, how did my character change over the course? I mean, that's not for me to answer, but. No, but this is movie questions. We'll have book questions. (sighs) I know we'll have book (laughs) questions, but our book questions are not that far off from our movie questions. (laughs) And I don't want to answer the questions about my book. Okay. So maybe we shouldn't do your book. Although I'm already reading it and I'm not going to start a new one. So. No, we should do my book because it's my damn podcast. And I want people to buy my damn book. The whole point of the podcast is to pump your books. So. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. So also buy my book on Amazon. Buy her book on, unfortunately, Amazon. But Why, unfortunately? Because Amazon is... Ugh. I get more money if Jeffrey you buy it from Bezos. Amazon. That's true. So buy, get... from, buy from Amazon. It, well, it's not available anywhere else yet. You have to buy it from Amazon. <laughs> it will be available everywhere else in paperback. So you can buy it from The Ripped Bodice and Love Sweet Arrow and wherever you want to buy your paperback books... But I have not gotten on the ball and made it available in those places yet. So for now, buy it on Amazon because I will make 30 cents more. Oh, and with that, we will say good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.